Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health, or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your Daily Dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette. Good morning and welcome again to your Daily Dose. In the past couple of years, we've seen the use of essential oils and aromatherapy become extremely popular. The term aromatherapy was first coined by René-Maurice Getfosse in 1936. Aromatherapy can be defined as the use of essential oils applied topically, orally, by inhalation, or other means to promote health, hygiene, and psychological well-being. Aromatic plants have been used in traditional medicine for thousands of years in numerous forms, from freshly harvested raw plants and their natural secretions to extracts and distillation products. Now, we all consume essential oils when we eat foods. Foods such as pecans, almonds, tomatoes, carrots, butter, coffee, cinnamon, and peppermint, they all naturally contain essential oils. Fresh aromatic plants usually will contain 1-2% to by weight of mainly fragrant monoterpenoid volatile compounds. Now this is a class of organic compounds that's in a plant and they have a very strong odor. When they are isolated and distilled to separate them as essential oils, the increased concentration of these compounds means that their properties are much more evident. So some of these properties will offer a therapeutic benefit, but some of them can manifest as toxicity. For example, it will take between 40 to 60 roses to make one drop of essential oil. And because this one drop of essential oil is so concentrated, it could be toxic rather than therapeutic. A toxic reaction is going to be any adverse effect that occurs following the contact of an external agent with the body. Now we have so many companies that are producing essential oils as well as almost every retail shop that we go in that are selling and promoting them. We're diffusing them, we're making topicals and creams with them, we're using them on our children, and in some cases we're using them on our pets. Last but not least, we are encouraged to ingest some of them. Now do you know if they're benefiting you and your family or are they really becoming to the point of harm? Today, I have Jane Lawson, who is the principal of Natural Approach School and Therapies. Jane has been a clinical aromatherapist for almost 30 years and a teacher for over 20 years. Over her years through her clinic, she has quickly realized that the general public has been confused as to which oils would be best for what ailed them. The general public was also not well informed when it came to the contraindications and safe usage of individual oils. So this led her to write a workbook, and it's called The Natural Approach to Essential Oils. I'm so pleased today to have Jane Lawson join me, and she's going to help us sort through what is safe and what's not safe in the way of essential oils. Good morning, Jane. I thank you so much for joining me. Good morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. Jane, could you give us a little bit of background about you and what really first got you into essential oils and aromatherapy? Gosh, that started way back in the um, 80s. I was working for a company which involved me traveling all over the UK. 
um, and staying in various hotels. And yes, we did have spa hotels even in those days. Um, and every now and again, I treat myself to a massage. And I found that I really like the, dare I say it, the smelly ones. Um, then that's how it all started I quit that job started training and the rest is history really and that's how I got into it nice so can you give us a little bit of information on the oils themselves basically on average how long is a shelf life of an essential oil going to be Right. Well, that's going to vary from oil to oil, but within the sort of major groups, um, if I break that down to sort of like citrus oils, the shelf life in those will be approximately two years. Um, The herb oils, they're going to be a little longer. They could be three to four years. Flower oils, they're lasting a bit longer again. They could be four to five. Then if you're talking about like the resin oils, um, then you're looking at some of those are actually mature with age. They don't actually go off. They just become a bit more difficult to use. Is there a proper way for us to store the oils? Depends where you live. I mean, here in the UK, you can keep your essential oils. You know, as long as you don't store or keep them where there's an excessive difference in the temperature, um, there's absolutely no need to. If you live in a hot climate, then it might be worth you considering keeping certainly the citrus oils maybe in a fridge. Um, but other than that, no, you just keep them out of harm's way, really. So not, you know, if there's children going around, can get hold of them or whatever. Okay. And we don't want to keep them in bright sunlight? Like we don't want to sit them? No, no, no. Somewhere. I mean... They do react with sunlight, and a lot of them have become what we call phototoxic oils. Um, That's why they're very often, you find them in brown or blue-coloured glass bottles. If they come in clear bottles, you really need to keep them in a dark place. Oh, okay. When we diffuse oils, because diffusing is extremely popular right now, and I think many Mm -hmm. people are using them that way, are there contraindications for people, pets, or children, or can everyone be in an area where the the oils are being diffused? My personal view on that is no. Um, Essential oils at the end of the day, and as you mentioned right at the top of the program, aromatherapy is very much for the individual and the problem we've got now, of course, it's been, you know, put out there that these are suitable for absolutely anybody and just go ahead and use them. But no, they're not. They're, they're individual. So you shouldn't be sort of, you know, diffusing them around the home, for example, unless you actually know that whoever else is going to come in and inhale them, even your children or your pets, you know, that it's suitable for them. And when it comes to the pets, then cats, for example, they can't metabolize the essential oils. So you must make sure that, you know, they've, they've got an escape route, if you want, that they're not shut in that room. Same thing with dogs, although dogs will let you know whether they like or dislike, they can metabolize the oils. When it comes to the children, my stock answer to people when I'm dealing with the general public is if you've got a prepubescent child, go and see an aromatherapist first before you start using anything on or around your children. Okay, so there are certain oils that cannot be used on children? Absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah, because they're prepubescent. So some of the oils, you know, they could, they'll stimulate the hormone in the endocrine system. So you don't want to be, you know, messing about with those, for example. Other oils like eucalyptus, um, because the child's body isn't developed enough, um, it can trigger off, you know, all kinds of respiratory problems in younger children because they're just not physically not developed enough. When when I look on, on Facebook, um, all of us, I think, are, or many of us are on Facebook a lot, we see advertisements um, using essential oils to specific points of the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, does this have any merit or, and can anyone of any age apply the oils to the, to the points of the feet? Right. So there's no evidence to show that it does or that it doesn't work. A specific point on the foot, and if it's on the sole of the foot, you've got to remember the skin on the base of your feet is a lot thicker. So it takes a lot much longer time for it to be absorbed. What worries me is that people are doing this with undiluted essential oils more than anything. Um, as a practicing reflexologist as well, I will make up a blend of a cream that I will use during my reflexology treatment because the essential oils intrinsically have to get in by the skin and into the circulatory system. Barring inhalation, that's that's a, a different thing again um, for them to work. So I would say an essential oil needs on a specific point of your foot, no. Okay. When we go out to buy an essential oil, there's there's so many now. There's so many brands that are out there on the market. The two there's two companies that we hear of most often. How do we know that these two particular companies? I'm hoping that you know what ones I'm mm-hmm. referring to. Yeah, yeah. How how do we know that they are any better than any lesser known brand? Right. Okay. Any reputable essential oil supplier, and that includes the two, obviously, because they're supplying essential oils, should have what we call GCMS reports on each batch of essential oil that they receive in. And that is more like a quality control thing, but also it tells you chemically, because if um, lavender comes from England, it's going to be totally different to lavender, we'll say, oh, grown in America, I've even got a Russian one, and the GCMS on those do vary slightly in the chemical components. At the end of the day, um, the companies that you're talking about, they are literally a sales company. That, that's what I want to put out there. When um, you're dealing with essential oil companies that just deal with that, invariably they've got qualified people on the staff, and they've been doing it for donkey's years, and they, they know what they're doing. Their, their aim is not to mass sell essential oils and, and treat it as a form, you know, of people earning extra money, if you like. Can I put it that way to be kind about it? <laughs> you probably can. You know, you know 99% of aromatherapists you know, because there will be that small percentage of aromatherapists around the world that that will sign up because that's what you do with the two companies you're talking about with the, out, the look that, you know, they can maybe earn a little bit of extra income and things like that. But at the end of the day, even when I started, you know, I was buying from what I will then call um, an essential oil company. 
and I would stock extra oil. So if any of my clients needed essential oils, I can still sell them at a slight profit anyway. So essentially, you know, aromatherapists will go to those kind of companies, not the MLM ones that you're speaking about. Okay. All right. That's what I was wondering is the MLL companies. Um, mm-hmm. Just just because recently I had to contact a couple of them. And, and uh, when I did contact them and requested to speak to an aromatherapist, I was told on more than one occasion, that is a great question. And I was not able to speak with anyone that could answer my questions. So when, when we're thinking of that, um, with the recent explosion of the essential oil use, and I'm thinking in my own experience, okay, that the lack of training with the MLL companies, what, what do you really think the future holds in the way of these companies and the way of people who are, are promoting these products? This is a huge question, to be honest. Um, having been in this industry, if you like, if I can call it that, for this, you know, this many decades, um, I've got a notion that there's pharmaceutical companies behind the MLMs because at the end of the day, they're wanting to get these out of the marketplace, if you like, and have them so that they can take them away from availability to the public. That's the bottom line or the worst case scenario. The next case scenario is that the aromatherapy industry will become far more regulated and people will need to be licensed more. Um, back in, in, for example, I was speaking to somebody the other night and I was saying to them back when I first started, there were certain oils like wintergreen and pennyroll. Wintergreen seems to be a particular one that here in the UK is, is on the restricted list or if you like, I call it the poisons list. Yes. And in those days, if you went to an essential oil supplier, you had to prove that you were a qualified therapist before you could get hold of those kind of oils. Now, they're just out there for anybody to be able to get hold of, and they even include them in their blends in these MLM companies, which is just ridiculous. And it all boils down to the contraindications that these oils have. They can cause you severe and, you know, terrible harm. Exactly. Am I correct in saying that with the wintergreen, five mils um, is fatal to a, to an adult? Yes, it would be um, because it'll it'll base at the end of the day it'll just put you into liver fa- liver and renal failure. Um, but you'd be a bit hard pushed to swallow five mil of um, wintergreen oil. But you also have a situation where somebody's using it day in day out, and it has a cumulative effect in the body to the point where eventually it'll become toxic. So it can still have the same end result. Okay, so if someone is using wintergreen topically and they're using it daily, um, is it going to absorb through the skin and become toxic that way as well? Yes, it can do. Yes, because it's going through all the, the systems of the body and it's going, to, it's going to create that toxic reaction and the liver will just go into failure. Okay. All right, Jane, we're going to have to take a little bit of a break. And on the other side of the break, I have so many more questions for you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to your daily dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Doreen's Daily Dose at gmail.com. Now, back to your daily dose. Jane. Um, can you tell us around when did the use of essential oils become so popular? <laughs> okay. Um, so I would say here in the UK, because it was brought to the UK by Margaret Moore in the beginning of the 60s. Um, so by the 70s, aromatherapy was starting to become very, very popular here. <coughs> it was towards the end of the 60s that it would have started becoming popular over in America um, and really enjoying, you know, getting more and more popular through the 80s. The thing is with aromatherapy, I mean, when I first trained, it was, um, I don't know, it was enjoying a, a, a massive sort of popularity boost then, and then it waned, and another complementary therapy, you know, suddenly became all that, should we call it the rage? Um so at the moment, now it's going, you know, every time it's become more popular, it's become more popular, you know, right across the world. So it's becoming even more popular now, obviously, with all the extra, you know, sales and everything that have been promoted with it and the amount of essentials that are getting used in just general everyday products and candles and uh, beauty products. So at the moment, we're... There is, you know, this extra interest in it right now. But, you know, essential oils in itself, um, I can go way back to Victorian times here in the UK and and cite um, from the Crimea War with Florence Nightingale. She used lavender essential oil um, out in the Crimea War. When she came back, it was at the Victorians, actually, here in England. We did have some essential oils. Um, They started then taking them into the, shall we say, the chemistry lab and breaking them down and finding out, discovering some of the chemical components within within them. So they have been around for quite a while. um, But like I say, you know, it flux, you know, flux and wanes with it. Mm -hmm. Now, 
both you and I, I, I use essential oils at my practice as well. Um, I am not an aromatherapist, but I've been trained in, in the specific ones that I use. I don't want to degrade essential oils because both of us know that there are countless benefits to essential oils if they're used properly. There's many, many health benefits. So can you give us some, some um, examples of what they're going to do in the way of health to, to benefit our health? Okay, well, my approach with the aromatherapy is, unless it's an acute situation that's come on, say like a sudden chest cold or an injury of some sort, then any illness, physical illness that you get, has an underlying emotional or mental root cause or situation that's triggered it. But it can take a long, long time before it manifests in the body as a physical problem. So when I deal with people, I start looking back into what has happened even as far back in the childhood. And then you can determine exactly which oils really need to be used so that you can address both the emotional, mental, if you like, trigger and the physical symptom at the same time. So should most of us be using essential oils? Absolutely. There's absolutely no problem at all with anybody using essential oils as long as they are aware of the contraindications, not to every single essential oil. There's only a few that are absolutely safe. Um, The majority of them do for things like high blood pressure, diabetes, um, epilepsy. You know, there's there's a, a range of them plus medication that people might be on you can't use certain essential oils and you know even when I train my students I tell them it's more important that you learn the contraindications of an essential oil than actually what the essential oil does okay so which ones could be Uh, safe for anyone to use oh you want me to go rattling off all the safe oils well (laughs) just a few of the common ones for us oh okay um Mandarin's a nice one, that's okay, but I wouldn't go out in bright sunlight with it because it can be phototoxic. In other words, you'll react in the sunlight with it if you've got it on your skin. Um, Bergamot's very similar in that respect. Frankincense is a, is a great safe oil to use. Um, it's a uterine tonic, so I wouldn't use it at the beginning of a pregnancy, that's for sure. Um, what else would you use? Frankincense at the beginning of a pregnancy? No, I wouldn't. No, because it's a uterine tonic. Okay. Um, I would use it towards the end. It's perfectly fine then. Um, what else on my list of favorite oils, which are perfectly safe? You've really come out to left field doing me with that one. I wasn't expecting yeah. that one. Um, what else would I use that's perfectly safe? You see, people think lavender's safe. Absolutely. Not. It's definitely not safe, you know, and it's it keeps getting touted as being one of the safest oils and what have you, and, it, and it just isn't. There's too many contraindications with it. Um, well, it seems to me, I saw on, I think I saw on your Facebook page that you had spilled lavender oil on your jeans and it had taken oh, the color completely out of your jeans. Yes, I did. And when I have clients come in here and say, well, you know, I put lavender on different parts of my body, I give them that example. Yes, it did, and it lifted the colour out of my black jeans. Yes, it was just it was. Well, I was making up what we call what I call a sniffy stick, um, and the dropper insert um, must have been the incorrect size because it absolutely poured out the bottle and spilled on my jeans. Um, went straight through, obviously onto my leg. 
um, went and washed it as fast as I could, obviously. Um, but I had to put some, because I had no clothes to change, so I had to put some tissue in between my jeans and my leg because I'm one of the people that can't use lavender um, on a continuous basis. I can use it for an acute situation, but not, not as a therapeutic, if you like, oil for anything. And, it, yeah, it did. It lifted some of the color out of my um, jeans. So would you recommend that anyone use the oils that you have just listed, the mandarin, the bergamot, the frankincense, and, of course, the lavender? Would you recommend anyone use them neat on the skin? No. What What no. are they going to do? No, 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 no. No, absolutely not. They're too far too concentrated. If I, if I can give you a comparison, we'll use chamomile tea as an example. Can I do it that way? Yes. So if if you want to use chamomile tea at night, you know, for a cup, you know, to help you go to sleep at night, that's great. But using it that way, it has a cumulative effect in the body. Now, if you wanted to have a bath in the evening with chamomile oil, essential oil, you'd only need one, literally one drop in your bath that would take all the edge off and help you get a restful night's sleep. Now, to have that effect, you'd need to drink 36 cups of, of chamomile tea. Okay. Okay. So you have to dilute these products down. Now, it's not just because you shouldn't use them, because you can use them neat on the, on the skin. Um, but what you have to do is dilute them down so that actually they're more easily absorbed through the skin. So the carrier oil helps to take them into the bloodstream easier. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So what about ingesting essential oils? How do you feel about that? (laughs) Okay, being a clinical (laughs) therapist, I have been trained in that aspect of it. Um, But basically, you go to any reputable essential oil supplier and they'll tell you exactly the same thing. You do not ingest. There is not one single clinical research, peer-reviewed clinical research paper being done on the ingestion of essential oils and the long-term effects of that. Um, Some of the oils you just wouldn't because they would become toxic inside your body. You just don't do it. They damage the mucous membranes, um, you know, and they can lead to further problems further down the line. I I see it all the time, you know, with these MLMs. They're putting out there, oh, put a drop of lemon essential oil in a glass of water and drink that. No, don't do it. Please don't do it. You know, this, they, they keep saying there's vitamin C in it and all the rest of it. Not one single essential oil has any vitamins or minerals in them. You'd be better off getting a lemon and squeezing the juice into your glass of water. That's where the vitamin C is. It's in the flesh, in, in the actual flesh of the fruit. The essential oils comes from the skin. It's a wholly different part of the sum total of, of, of the plant. Okay. So why do you think that so many of us have have strayed away, and I'm going to say of common sense, because when you look at the way that people are using what I'm going to call volatile oils, okay, when they come from the skin of the, uh, of the uh, fruit, you can't package them in plastic. They have to be packaged in glass. And the reason being is because they will disintegrate the plastic. They disintegrate disintegrate my gloves when I use gloves on people if I'm using essential oils. So Mm. when people see this or when people know this, why, what are they thinking when they think that even though it eats through plastic, I can still ingest it? Well, first of all, not everybody has seen those kind of pictures. I've seen styrofoam plates being used as an example of how quick an essential will eat through that. 
you know, the example with my jeans is another one. Um, but the problem is people people are being told that this is all perfectly natural. Um, you know, they're natural products. Um, so they, they, they have this preconceived idea because they're natural. They've got to be harmless. They've got to be safe. Well, so sorry, so is arsenic, but it's a poison. Exactly. It's the same difference, you know. So it's it's the way I'm going to use the word because of you know where we're coming from with this. The way that they are touted and the language that is put around them that they are natural, they're not. They are natural prod byproducts from you know the the, the plants, the trees, the flowers, etc. But it doesn't mean that they're safe. Okay. So when we go out and we are looking to purchase essential oils, because there's so many companies that hypothetically we go out, we see five different companies, okay, all on the same shelf. They have all the same oil listed, and they're all in the same size bottle. So we can see on the label that it can either be 100% pure, or it can be therapeutic grade, or it can be 100% natural, or there's 100% essential oil. All of them mm-hmm. have the same price point. Which one would we purchase and think that it is the the actual essential oil? Okay, first off, the one that claims to be therapeutic grade essential oil, when you see that, it usually has the trademark symbol after it. That has been done specifically by one MLM marketing company. Oh. So they use it purely as a marketing device to make it sound that their essentials are the therapeutic grade, but it's no different to buying from another company. When you have 100% natural essential oil or natural or whatever on there, it's a misnomer really. Any essential oil by its name itself is already 100% essential oil. Some will put that on because sometimes essential oils are sold in a 10% dilution so that the more expensive oils, you know, like rose and jasmine, I mean, here in the UK, you're looking at nearly £100 for a, a, a 10 ml bottle of that. Then they will sell them in a 10 ml bottle, the little 10 ml bottles, but as a 10% dilution. So it reduces the cost. So it makes it more viable for people to get their hands on those oils. But the therapeutic grade one, that is one I really want to emphasize and get across to people. That is being trademarked by one particular MLM company in particular. And they use that purely for marketing purposes. Basically, I'm going to say they're lying to the public because all essential oils, if they come from a reputable brand, are therapeutic. That's what I was wondering. Is there any difference in a therapeutic grade oil than a different type of oil? And obviously that has only been used for a marketing thing. So when we go out and we see that that we have an essential oil and it is 10% into another oil, do mm-hmm. we still have to um, do it we still have to add that to another dilution or can we use that neat because it's already into an oil? Um, no, because in a 10% dilution, you're still looking at it being almost a therapeutic level, if you like, of that oil. You'd still need to dilute it down a little bit further again. Okay. So when we are using um, an oil and we have to dilute it, what is the best way to dilute that oil? What's Usually, the ratio? 
Right, no more than 1% to 2%. So here in the UK, we work it out by the milliliter size of, say, carrier oil that you're using. So for a normal adult, this is not for children and this is not for the elderly because that is a whole different ball game again. So for a, an adult and you want a therapeutic blend, if you took 30 milliliters of carrier oil, um, say like a sunflower oil or a sweet almond oil if you're not allergic to nuts, um, then the maximum combination or a single oil that you're going to put in that therapeutic blend would be 15 drops maximum. Is this going to be across the board for all essential oils or is each essential oil going to have a different amount of drops per 30 ml? Okay, so it depends on the category of the oils. So for example, ginger. All right, so that's classified as a hot oil. So you might not want to use 15 drops of ginger in 30 mils of carrier oil. I would probably use as little as five or seven drops. Okay. How does one go about figuring this out? If we're going out and we're purchasing our own from a retail store and there's no one at the store that's going to be able to give us this information, are there reputable places online? Because we know what online is like. We can get the good, the bad, and the otherwise. Do you recommend any one area that we can go to to find out exactly how we should blend these oils that's going to be safe for us? Go and take classes with a qualified aromatherapist, end of. Oh. First, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where I stand with this. It's now got so out of hand and so out of control worldwide. I, I mean, years ago when we, we had a slight problem like this as well, I always said that um, essential oils, when you go into the local chemist, for example, should be behind the counter so that they're, re- they're classified as restricted drugs, if you like. So that if anywhere that they are being bought from over the counter, there should be somebody there qualified to give you the right advice and say, oh, you want this bottle of lavender, do you? Okay, well, are you pregnant? Have you got low blood pressure? Are you on any iron supplementation? So they can put those questions out there before they sell that oil and make clear that this oil, though, is for your own use anyway, not for anybody else. Not unless they're going to get that training. They go and attend some classes. Okay. Jane, um, I'm going to have to say that we have to go to another break right now. And after we come back from the break, I do have um, a couple questions about blood thinning oils and contraindications with that. So right now we'll go to break and I will see you in a couple minutes. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Visit Doreen's website at dmurphydoucette.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins, and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements, and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphydoucette.com today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. 
It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to your daily dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. Now, back to your daily dose. Hi, Jane. Next question. One thing that I'm wondering about is so many people have to take warfarin mm-hmm. and of course that is, is helping to thin the blood and keep the blood thin. When they're using essential oils, are there particular oils that are going to contribute to thinning the blood more or having contraindications with warfarin? Yes, there are. Um, geranium is one of them. That that thins the blood even more. So anybody on warfarin shouldn't be using any kind of geranium. And that includes, you know, even by inhalation or, or diffusing the oil. Another oil is Immortel. That will thin the blood as well. Um, so those are the two that spring to mind just now um, because they're the more popular ones, obviously, that the general public can get hold of. Um, Immortel, I just want to clarify as well, that's what I tend to call it and what we call it in the UK. Over in America, you call it helichrysum. Oh, okay, yes. Okay, yep. so th- those two particular oils are known for diluting the blood down even further. There is recent research um, that's looking into a particular kind of frankincense because there's more than one frankincense essential oil that you can get or type of, if you like. And the serrata, frankincense serrata, I think it is, at the moment is showing that that also inhibits blood clotting. So again, people should avoid that particular one. We're not so sure at the moment about the kateri, which is the one I tend to use and always have done you uh, used in my practice. Um, that's not quite showing the same. But I believe it's the serrata one at the moment that's that's doing, they're, they're seeing is doing the same thing. Okay. So be careful. Um, frankincense is you buy. Oh, and I wasn't even aware that there was more than one frankincense. I use frankincense from India. So, and well, it should tell you which botanical kind of frankincense it is. It should have the botanical name on the bottle. Okay. Now, in in regards to children, mm-hmm. I've been looking at some of the essential oil blends that are out there, and one of them that is specifically indicated for children has the following list of ingredients, and they're in this order. So the first one is spearmint, Japanese peppermint, ginger, parsley seed, black pepper, and these are put in fractionated coconut oil. So when I looked into all of these oils, the first thing that I noticed was Japanese peppermint is known for its very high menthol content. And the contraindications were... Peppermint is an oil that is not recommended via any route on children under the age of six years old. And this is due to the amount of menthol. The second thing that I saw was parsley seed oil is toxic to humans and it's being used to induce abortions. So it shouldn't be used by anyone who is pregnant or nursing. Now, if these two essential oils are that dangerous... How can they be promoted 
to be used on a child. And what is going to happen, what the recommendations for this is to use it on the abdomen as a massage after a meal or to put it at the back of the neck. What is going to happen if you're doing this daily to a child and what is going to happen if the person who is applying this to the child happens to be pregnant? (laughs) Well, first of all, those oils, buying the spearmints, you can get without one from about the age of four or five with a child. The um, Japanese peppermint that you mentioned there, um, the contraindications that you've mentioned with that one applies more to actual peppermint because Japanese peppermint is actually more towards the spearmint side of things and is actually known as haka, H-A-K-K-A. And the contraindications for haka essential oils, which is their version of peppermint, are less. And when you first mentioned this one to me, I suspected that they've gone with the contraindications for general peppermint oil just because it comes from Japan, but they haven't looked into it further to see that actually it's a slightly different kind of peppermint. This is, again, like I mentioned with the lavender, you know, I've I've got about nine or ten lavenders from different places across the world, and and you can note the difference. These oils just should not be used on children. If you're rubbing them into your child's tummy, you know, one, why are you doing it every day? Two, they're the wrong oils to be doing that. And for what purpose for the child? You know, is it constipated? Has it got diarrhea? I wouldn't be using any of those oils on a child anyway, not even on an adult. They're not the ones I would use as my go-to oils for a tummy upset. Um, they're, they're risking, they're running the risk of running, the, um, turning the child to be sensitized to the essential oil at best. So that would involve them probably getting some respiratory problems and certainly coming out in blisters and a rash um, all over their skin. Long term is, like I say, would make them sensitized and you wouldn't know which one of those oils. You know, any reptile or aromatherapist will tell you. For a child under the age of two, you only use one essential oil at a time because then if there is a reaction because their immune system's not developed enough, then you know exactly what has caused that reaction. You start using blends like that on a child, you need your head examining. That's all I can say, that they're just ridiculous. And the same thing if you're pregnant and using those oils. Whoa, yeah, parsley's well known as an abortifacent oil. Yeah, and that's the one that I was going to ask you about is the parsley yeah. oil. So so if one is using this oil, even topically, and they're using it daily, will it have a buildup in the body? Yes, it will. It will. And eventually it'll, it'll, it'll trigger. It will trigger something in the body. I mean, parsley seed, you know, we do use it in aromatherapy. But again, certainly over here in the UK, we don't use it very much because its main benefit, if you like, is as a diuretic. But there are much safer oils to use with not as many contraindications and the chemical components that parsley has in it that okay. you can use for that purpose. The only cautions that I saw listed on this was to keep it out of the reach of a child under three and to keep it away from the eyes, ears, mouth, or any sensitive area. Now, you see, this is, this is the other thing I wanted to explain. Those aren't contraindications. There's that is safety advice. That is safety advice as you would with any medication, all right? Contraindications are a whole different ballgame. They are telling you you cannot use this oil if you have high blood pressure, epilepsy, et cetera, et cetera, pregnant, whatever. Those then are the contraindications. Okay. 
Yeah, so this is the other thing that annoys me about this kind of thing because they're saying, you know, as a general rule, keep them away from children. If you get it in your eye, go and rinse your eye out and seek medical attention. You know, that is safety advice. That is not the contraindications of each individual oil that's in that blend. Okay. Now, let us talk a little bit about um, in, in some of the peppermints, they're not just peppermint. It's adulterated with corn mint. Mm-hmm. Are there are there many, very many of the oils that can be adulterated with other products that we're not going to know about? Yes. It, 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 you know, again, with the, to keep it simple, really, you've got to go to a reputable supplier. When you start going on Amazon and you see this or that oil at ridiculously cheap prices, that's your first alarm bell when essential oil is being sold far, far too cheap. Um, it, it just isn't. It's going to be cut, as I call it, with something. You know, I can very often tell if an oil, you know, um, some of my students will come in, oh, I got this oil and it was really cheap. I got it off Amazon. And I'll say to them what I call, let's do the kitchen sink test on it. And I'll get um, some kitchen roll and I'll put a drop on that and we watch how it behaves. And sometimes these essential oils, just to make them go further, are cut, if you like, with a carrier oil. And what happens on the kitchen test paper, as I, kitchen paper test, as I call it, it will re- leave a greasy, oily residue circle. But the essential oil, because they're volatile, will have evaporated. Now, if you've got a real pure essential oil and you put that on a kitchen piece of kitchen paper, Leave it for 24 hours and you really shouldn't see hardly any trace of the essential oil at all because it will have evaporated into the atmosphere. Oh, okay. That's just a very, very, very simple test. You know, it's not definitive. It's it's not 100%, you know, guaranteed. But, I mean, it is a simple one that people could do with some of their essentials. But that's if it's been cut, like I say, with a carrier oil, which is what a lot of companies, disreputable ones, will do. Good to know. So, because um, the increased popularity of the ingestion of the essential oils, one -hmm. thing that they say that you need to mix and dilute your essential oil in is water. My question with this is, you know, way back when, when I was in school, oil and water never did mix. What have companies done that now they can say, Mix the oil in the water. To me, that that ball of oil is going to stay a ball of oil. Oil. Yeah, exactly. No, oil and water do not mix. Okay. You'll see that essential oil floating around on the top of your glass of water. Um, And to take essential oils internally, there are strict rules and guidelines if you've been trained in it to do it. Um, And... In France, for example, where they have been using essential oils internally for decades, you know, you have to be a qualified medical doctor before you can do that, but who has also studied essential oils. Or you have to be a practitioner of what we call aromatic medicine, or as with a lot of clinical aromatherapy courses, you have been trained in it. But for example, here in the UK, and I've think it's the same over there in the states for a therapist you cannot be insured to do that now the fact that aromatherapists who are trained in how to and can do 
but they still will not be insured. And the reason the insurance companies won't do it is because at the end of the day, each of essential oil has not been assessed, has not been tested, has not been given the A-OK. It is safe to do it in the same principle as they would do in medication. Okay, so I'm going to correct you on one thing. I'm not in the USA. I'm in Canada right now. Oh, okay, sorry. (laughs) That's that's quite all right. Well, that's all right because Canada tends to follow the English model of aromatherapy anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So right now, if I wanted to, I could go out to several different hairstylists. I could go out to the health food store. I could go out to a retail area, and I can pick up any essential oil that I wanted to. And they could tell me what they feel I should do with them. And they they will promote topical use, ingestion, um, inhalation, diffusing, all of that different stuff. So what you're telling us is we should not be listening to someone who is not certified in aromatherapy. Correct? Absolutely. 100%. At the end of the day, when someone is going to be harmed with these essential oils, who is going to be the liable person? Or Good company? question. All right, I'll give you an example. So a mother's gone and followed, bought an essential oil. She's followed the advice of an unqualified person. She's applied it to a child and that child's ended up hospitalized, okay? So they then, certainly here in the UK, the National Health Service here, they have a list of essential oils that they consider to be toxic or hazardous or dangerous. So if the mother says, yes, I've been using eucalyptus oil, you know, and it's brought on all this respiratory stuff and, and all this, the parent is likely to be prosecuted further down the line for endangerment of a minor. Now, if, on the other hand, that parent had come to, say, people like myself, and I'd stupidly, because I wouldn't, but say if I had said use that oil and that child had ended up in hospital, the NHS and the social services or whoever would take responsibility for it would then come after me, not the parent, because I am certified and I am insured. So basically, parents using essential oils on their children, please, please go and see a qualified therapist first before you start doing it. Because most of the injury reports that are now coming in, and certainly here in the UK, and I know the NHS are collating them from all over the UK, you know, is on the increase. It's massive. It's huge. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Jane? I'm so sorry that our time is basically up. There's still so much more that we could talk about with this, but I do, again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to give us so much beneficial information regarding essential oils. Um, Hopefully, we'll get to chat with you again in the near future. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Enjoyed it. Thanks. So for now... I thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Ayurveda and the basics of your doshas. For now, thank you. I look forward to being back next week, and I wish everyone your best health. Thank you for joining us for your daily dose. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.